Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. So, yeah, I'm supposed to be this, like, evangelist for mindfulness and meditation and everything. But if I'm being honest, one of my favorite, absolute favorite things to do in the world is to uh, sit with my wife and turn my brain off and watch a lot of television. Uh, in fact, this is super pathetic, but here's what we did uh, last New Year's Eve. After we got our varmint to go to bed, uh, which took a while, we put on matching sweatsuit onesies, which we got from Tori Smith over at, uh, Tori Johnson rather, over at GMA, ate cookies and watched five hours of Making a Murderer. That was New Year's at the Harris household. Uh, anyway, one of our favorite shows in recent years has been Boardwalk Empire, which aired on HBO. And one of our favorite characters on that show was Daughter Maitland, the 20s jazz singer who is incredibly talented, beautiful, mysterious, confident, and wounded all at once. Um, and then recently I found out that the woman who plays Daughter Maitland, whose name is Margot Bingham, is a meditator. So here she is, sitting right in front of me. Here I am. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for that intro. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's a pretty heavy one. Oh, well, New Year's I... Eve, making a murderer, huh? Yeah, we, it was not the most relaxing way. I mean, it was relaxing physically, but not sure. psychologically. Right, Did you watch I can that? imagine. Uh, no, I, I really, I tried to stay out of it when we were filming, for the most part. Oh, right. And right when... now, I'm just trying to catch up with everything else, my house of cards and... The happy valleys of the world and happy valley i'm obsessed, obsessed with obsessed with please don't tell me anything i'm not gonna tell you anything. i didn't even know that there was a second season until like two months ago the and i freaked out it, it was it honestly like i was screaming and it was it was crazy sarah lancashire the star we're way off topic here totally. but i'm just gonna go with that's it. Fine. sarah lancashire the, the 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 star of that yes. is fantastic a ferociously talented individual fantastic and that's i mean I, I can't speak enough about her. She was so inspiring to me as Nina Meyer on The Family for ABC. I mean, there was everything oh, wait, about she's her. She's on The Family? No, she's not. But she, oh, like, her I, Nina Meyer so, for I your watched, so I watched that gotcha, before gotcha. we went into the yes. pilot last I year. I forgot that Nina Meyer is the name. I should say this because I didn't say this. Nina Meyer is the name of your character on the ABC show, The Family, which yes. is what you're doing now. Yes, which is what is airing now right on ABC. Now. Yes. Uh, but no, she is she's fantastic. Everything that she was, it was not it wasn't your typical procedural uh, cop kind of officer thing. She shares so much about her family. She's so personal and open and, she, and yet she's so tough, but mm -hmm. she's not guarded. She's she's magical to me. She really is. And there's moments where she just flashes a look and you just like see this feral look in her eye. But then you know also that she's incredibly compassionate. Right. And, and she's terrified. She, she's just yes, terrified. And terrifying. Mm -hmm. We should, because many of our listeners and viewers have probably have no idea what Happy Valley is. It airs on, it's a BBC, a joint production with BBC that airs. BBC and Netflix. And Netflix. Yeah. It airs on Netflix here or air. I don't know if airs is probably not the right word, whatever. It's available it's, on it's Netflix. Available. And yeah. it's in its second season and it's completely brilliant. Right. Um but anyway, we're here to talk about you. So I want to ask you a million like geeky questions about Boardwalk Empire. But I'm going to hold off on that because, because tell me about meditation. When did you start meditating and, and how and why? I think I started meditating, I'd say, probably three years ago. For the most part, I try to be as holistic as possible. And I do a lot of the um, natural homeopathic ways of kind of gearing back to my health. And I've, I've really been on that road strongly for three years. I'm recently a vegetarian three years ago. I guess that's not so recent, but time flies. And um, I was I was getting tired all the time and always lethargic after my meal. So I went in and saw an endocrinologist, got my blood type tested, and he was like, I really recommend this book, Eat Right for Your Blood Type. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll check it out. And I knew I was A positive, so I got the Dr. Diamo book. And a positive blood types are gardeners. We're we're not supposed to be eating heavy meat. And really, turkey is kind of on the neutral list. I don't know if you're familiar with this book. I'm no, sure you are. I've oh, heard about not. the idea of using blood type as a as a true north for your Dan. It's phenomenal. Diet, really. I, I highly highly recommend. It's it's one of those things that you open the page and it says all of the things that you can't eat, and you're like, well, I'm sure I could. And then there's like a thing that's in the neutral, and and it says why and what makes happen in your body and you're just kind of like oh my god that's that's exactly what that's actually huh. what happens to my body that's so weird like could this really be a thing so there were a couple things on the neutral list like turkey ground turkey 
but I am an extremist to the fullest, so uh, which works professionally, but not so much for my personal. And um, and I just I literally just went cold turkey, no pun intended, and cut it out. And the next day, I I didn't eat meat ever again. I just couldn't do the like chicken sometimes, meat sometimes, and then do a bite of turkey. I just I yeah. couldn't kind of do that and juggle. But after that, I really felt a lot lighter. I felt better. I never felt tired after my meals. Huh. And then I started getting into a little bit more into the yoga practice and or practice of yoga and um, acupuncture and uh, more of just like a very clean lifestyle. And that came with meditation, obviously, with the stress of the career that I'm that I chose, which I can't complain about because I chose this and this is my dream. You're in a safe place. You can complain as much as you want here. Thank you my very friend. much. Oh, my God. Uh, but I, I definitely have moments where I feel really stressed out mm-hmm. and, and my anxiety is, is not the best at times. And um, the people closest to me know that and know how bad I get. And the best thing that I could possibly do is really take a second to myself and gather my thoughts and get in the best mind frame that I possibly can. As far as patients dealing with directors or different egos in this industry, you know that it comes at a high risk. And there's many different personalities in this world that we live in and that is our everyday. So we have to kind of go in with the best gear and tools that we can and weapons. And I think that the best weapons that you can have is patience and meditation. Who's the most difficult, famous person you've ever dealt with? Ooh, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't have to answer that. that. I, I, that was a total joke. It was a trick. <laughs> I almost fell for it, too. I would I would love to know the answer, but I, I don't want to ruin your <laughs> career right now. Um, so to, what kind of meditation? How did you find it? So I'm a huge fan of Oprah and a huge fan of Deepak. Mm-hmm. I... I used to listen to music when I would fall asleep as a baby. It was just something that had to be on or else I couldn't fall asleep. And I think because of my musical ear, that was just something that caught me and that I had to have. Uh, But then it turned into more meditation music, more spa music, more Reiki and more chakra music. And, um, And then I started getting my parents into that a little bit more. So now like their nightly regiment is turning on like the shocker for the heart or <laughs> you know like your, your dad is a former linebacker for the Pittsburgh yes he Steelers, is and now so he listens to reiki meditation <laughs> every right. night so he's definitely getting his reiki on <laughs> uh but yeah they i mean they both love it it's very relaxing music and i guess once you get into the 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 um the i don't know the once once you get into really allowing your mind to open up at night and you can just easily it's not so easy at first obviously you have to really release all the stress and all of the things that you list daily and that are continuously going on in your mind and really relax uh but once you do get to that relaxation point it's it's magical what you can feel when you really allow that music to kind of set in for the rest of the night and you can get it an unbelievable sleep uh but it's the trick of getting there so um so i would really get into oprah and then oprah has the 21 day meditation challenges with deepak and I would send that out to my friends, as I still do. And it's challenging to commit to 21 days. It's unbelievable how challenging it could be to just commit to 15, 20 minutes of your time. For their meditations, it's 21 minutes, for the most part, rounded to 22 because of the 21-day meditation challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's great because Deepak really guides you through it and then allows you to kind of take over and Oprah kind of gives a, a an overall um, idea of where you should be at that particular time or just like an example of, of setting your mind and then Deepak can set your intention. So that's really nice. Something that I personally struggle with still is really setting the right intention, becoming really simplistic in my intention and just just being pure and just kind of keeping it very simple. It's It's really hard to not go into meditation with like the idea of, okay, this is all that I have to do in this meditation in this 15 minutes. I don't have any other 15 minutes to myself. So this is like, I need to cover all bases. Or I've got to get as calm as humanly possible stat. Right. Which you really, you don't. It's just a daily thing. The worst thing you can bring to the meditation party is expectations. It will screw everything up. And I, that is a personal struggle that I deal with 
constantly. So that's actually where I am right now. Uh, me and my guy just started getting into Headspace, which is something new that I'm I haven't been familiar with because I'm I've been doing it for a little bit and he just started doing it. So he, he likes more of the guided route. And that's cool because that's something that I struggle with anyways. So I kind of like to try all different types. I just am a huge fan of taking 10 to 15 minutes to yourself regardless. If you call that meditation, cool. If you call that like a moment of silence, cool. I just think that it's really great for our minds, especially people that are working more than nine to fives and that aren't really allowed to turn off their phones and computers at the end of the night. My mom is one of them and she's watching right now. So yes, I'm talking about you, mother. <laughs> and uh, it's it's important to take time for yourself because nobody else can give you that time back. So that's kind of that's where I started knowing that I needed to do that. So let's just drill down a little bit. When you when you were doing the Deepak meditations, I sometimes people get nervous when I talk about Deepak because I make fun of him in my book a little bit. But um, I actually really like Deepak, and the kind of um, me- meditation he teaches is completely legit. It's this mantra meditation. Right. I assume that's what he's doing with. That's what he does. You, yeah. So you take you take a word. It could be any word really, um, and just repeat it silently to yourself on the in breath and the out breath. Right. And do you find that that worked for you? It does. Uh, if, But I do have to say if my intention doesn't match the word for the mantra, the mantra is out the window. I really don't remember it. Even in like the five seconds that he says it, he could say, you know, um, love, love, love. And I'm like, what? You know, and I just like kind of space out. But that's, again, concentration on, on my part that needs to do better. But I like it because it kind of breaks down the intention a little bit more clearly and again it's getting back to the simplistic way of thinking which is something that I need to work on um, but I definitely I, I take that kind of idea into my acting world because as an actor you should there's there's something that my teacher actually a couple of my teachers have taught me that you should have an objective to go into a scene or whatever and that's something that you just know as an actor that that's something that you learn you you walk into a scene or uh, a room with your objective. And I've always had a hard time breaking down my objective. I could tell you exactly what I'm going to do in the scene, but that's not really your objective. So if you can't break it down to the word or the simplest form, then you don't really get to where you're going. Mm. You eventually do, but you go this really far roundabout way. So that's something that I actually enjoy on his part, but I just think that some of the words don't always match the intentions that I need. So this is going to expose my own ignorance because I've never done the the Oprah Deepak 21 Day Challenge. Totally. What is the, what is, talk to me about the relationship between the intention or whatever that is and the mantra. What, just walk me through in super basic terms. So say we're talking about, say we're talking about choosing your happiest life, you know, uh, that's like the, the, the theme of the whole 21 Day Challenge is choosing your happiest life. And you go into the meditation with Oprah starting out the meditation, and she'll talk about her personal story about saying, I, I don't know, this is totally not an example, so I'm just, just making this up, so please don't quote me on this. Duly noted. But, uh, but she'll go into it, and she'll say, you know, I, I remember when I was working in a radio station, and, and I wasn't happy with myself, and... I needed to change. I needed something more. And everything that I walked into, it just wasn't enough. And I needed something more. So I looked inside of myself and inside of my heart and realized that it wasn't the things that I needed to fill it. It was the beauty inside of me and finding happiness within myself. So she'll start with something like that. And then she'll say the intention or well, then it will go over to Deepak. It will fade out with a beautiful musical chime. And then it will go into Deepak and he'll say, you know, the intention for for yourself today is to know the beauty inside of yourself. And then he'll repeat uh, a, a, a word in, in um and he'll just say, like, intention or love, 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 or beauty. And, and you will then use that silently to repeat to yourself love as you breathe in and love as you breathe yes. out. Yes. But sometimes there's a disconnect in your mind between what the intention is and the word, and then that's where you get a little... Well, it's just I sometimes I wouldn't have chosen that word, but maybe it's... Be- but again, maybe it's because I just can't get there directly yet. Here's a hack. Okay. 
ignore the word, just use whatever word you want because it really okay. doesn't matter. That's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if you have like if you have the idea and you have the space where you're putting yourself, I guess it doesn't matter. The, but... the point is to you're basically just giving your mind and your brain a break because when you get concentrated enough on the on the combination of your breath and the word, mm-hmm. then all the all of the nasty Margot thoughts quiet down. They'll come back and then you'll notice that you've got distracted and you'll start again and again and again. You'll have to just do that over and over a million times. But eventually you get good enough so that you may have a couple seconds at a time where Margot's not there anymore. You're just feeling right. the, the the mantra and your breath. And that's the point. And so it really doesn't matter what word you choose. At right. least I, I'm a little bit out of my lane here because I'm not a this is not the kind of meditation that I do. But having read enough about it, I think it doesn't matter what word you you pick. I agree with you. I I mean, unfortunately, this is kind of the only I'm, I'm starting to learn about other meditations because um, a couple of my friends don't like the style of the challenge and they like different kinds of things. So again, getting into headspace and different kinds of ways of meditating. I'm starting to learn that too. So there's definitely some ignorance on my end as far as other types of, of meditation. But I just think that it's important to do regardless, and I I try to practice it as much as I can. I'm definitely not good at it, so I I won't I won't uh, go on about well, how amazing I am. Well, well, anybody who tells you they're good at meditation, you should be really suspicious because it's not like uh, chess or or doing you know juggling or something like that. Sure. It's it's. it's um, <laughs> it's a so counterintuitive for type A people like the two of us mm-hmm. because you don't you can't you shouldn't go into meditation thinking you're going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really about the, the the failure, which is getting distracted mm-hmm. and then starting over. That is success, right? And and that is really hard for people like us to kind of to bake into our expectations what, to let going go? into it. Correct. No exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> well said. Well said. So Headspace, just for those who don't know, is a, a really popular and terrific app that teaches people how to meditate. So you've been using that a little bit as well? We're starting to get into it. This is you so and your boyfriend. This is me and my boyfriend, yeah. Okay. So you're so starting to get into that. Starting to get into it, yeah. Let me, let me, I love Headspace. I think it's great. And the guy, Andy, the voice you hear, yes. uh, is a, a guy I've spent a little bit of time with. He's a fantastic really? guy. Really? Let me, yes, he's okay. really cool. And the real deal, he was a monk for 10 years, so he actually like, really knows what he's oh, talking wow. about. Oh, um, wow. But there's another app. Okay. It's called 10% Happier, and you should check that one out. Yes, that one. You're, she's pointing at a sign that says 10% happier. 10% happier. So happier. I, I will arrange it so that you can taste test that and see what you think as well. I love it. So the whole goal of this of my app is to like do it with a, a little bit of sense of humor. Okay. Because I'm a wise ass. So, right. um, And I think That's my- perfect for my guy. The, the, my suspicion is, <laughs> especially for men, but for a lot of women too, that if you deliver this with without pan flutes and without you know any talk about chakras, none of which- bothers you but for some people it's like a turnoff that if you deliver it in that way that you open the door for other people who uh, you know might reflexively reject it okay perfect anyway i'll hook you up i love it so let me ask you um let me ask you about uh acting stuff because (laughs) your story is phenomenal so you grew up in pittsburgh i did your dad's a former linebacker yes and your mom does what she is a really she's a real estate agent okay yeah so you went to a performing arts high school and then Talk to me about a little bit what about what happened after that because then you not it, it was pretty quick you kind of like got pretty big pretty fast so w- what happened in the interim Yeah I I guess uh so I went to I went to Kappa in Pittsburgh Creative and Performing Arts High School it's still there it's in downtown Pittsburgh and graduated then went to Point Park University for 2 years and then I did not graduate I left school Uh, I was on full scholarship and working a lot of jobs and I was not really doing very well at school at the time because I was juggling so much. And then I was still touring a lot with my music in Pittsburgh and doing like a lot of opening acts and everything for nationals that would come into town. And um, national acts, yeah, national acts as far as music acts. At Mm -hmm. the time, I was like more in the pop R&B world with Mm -hmm. my music. So I did like the Nelly Furtado's of the world or like Wale's or black IPs or whatever. So uh, I was doing that while I was in school full time and I just wasn't, I something had to give. So I, I talked to my mentor, my teacher in, at Point Park and um, and she was like, you know, Margo, we, we study to, to make people work. We, we 
that's what we give you the tools to work. And I was like, I know. She's like, well, you're working, sweetie. <laughs> and I was like, I know, but school is important to me and it's very important to my family. And she was like, just try it for a year. My parents agreed. And they let me, they gave me one year in New York and they were like, you have to do something. You went from Pittsburgh to New York. Pittsburgh okay. to New York. Um, at the time I was touring with Jason Mraz. So I was, I moved when I was 20, I think, to New York City. And uh, and I, I was touring still a little bit. So I kind of had a couple months here where I was in and out. And my parents just kind of gave me one year to get things done, whatever that meant, just make something happen. I didn't really have any friends here. I didn't know anyone here. My dad had one contact here. Um, my family lives in Connecticut, so I did have people close, and obviously Pittsburgh is really not that far. But uh, but I really was completely alone, um, and I just had to figure it out. So I did. So I kept doing... Uh, open calls and I found one for rent on Playbill and they were having like a, a last minute open call so I went in it's like at, the off-Broadway revival of rent. yeah so I went in um, around 6 30 in the morning it was at, at nine o'clock call and I I got I made it past the first four type outs which is basically when they just walked down the line and just say like no yes no yes oh no. you're not the right type yeah just it's what what a type out is and it, it honestly it could probably be an intern it could probably be like a student that's just walking down the line wow not even casting yet like you so, don't even get in the room with casting just it's just brutal it's pretty brutal this is why i can see why you're attracted to meditation because yeah this it's world harsh. Is harsh it's pretty harsh so we did so i did i made it past the first four type outs and then got in the door and then sang my eight bars, which for any musician, you know, it's like, it's literally like, and and then it stops. And that's like, that's pretty much like, and it's like, got it, nailed it. Nope, didn't. So I made it past the eight bars and then I got to the 16 bars and then there were like six auditions that day. And then I think there were, I think I auditioned nine times for Rent and then I got it. Yeah. But I was the only one in the company that came from the open call and I was number 719 wow and there were still hundreds of people behind me so it's it's pretty incredible to think that that's kind of how my career started was was through that and then I got an agent off of that and then rent closed and then I was unemployed for eight or nine months whoa and uh which is always scary as an artist and um and I was getting nervous that nothing was going to come back or come up. And I, I needed to kind of look for my plan B again. And then I got the call to go in for a boardwalk. And they were looking for just a jazz singer in the background for like a day player role or something. And and a lot of my friends went in. We were all the same type, you know, light-skinned brown girls with jazzy voices. And that was us. And so we all went in. And I was like, yeah, I could sing some jazz. And... Um, Went and sang the song St. Louis Blues, which I ended up singing on the uh, on the season later on in the season, around like six in the season. So that was full circle. So I sang my audition song on the show, which is pretty cool. And I got the audition. Uh, I think it was uh, I think it might have been nine callbacks for that as well. Maybe eight or nine callbacks. And that was out at the Navy Yard. And at the time I was living in the, the Navy Yard here in New York, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of schlepping back and forth every once in a while and and um it was about an hour and a half to get there and then an hour and a half back so every time that I would go there I was like oh man I really hope this is the last time and then I would get another call back and I'm like oh I gotta go back out again but this is what I wanted just hearing the story it's totally yeah it's it, yeah it was definitely stressful but but then I got it and then they kept calling me back and I don't think that this was that was anything that anybody expected for sure I this show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I got to tell you, I feel so much better when I talk about my anxiety instead of keeping it bottled up. There's an expression that I first heard from the great researcher and also Zen practitioner Robert Waldinger, never worry alone. Our temptation many times is to keep it bottled up, but the data really show that the people who do the best in life, who live the longest and are the happiest, have strong relationships with people with whom they can talk about whatever's going on in their lives. And for me, therapy is part of that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you might give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash happier 
today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash happier. You can count on T-Mobile to help keep you connected after investing billions to light up their network from big cities to small towns. T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, when you switch to T-Mobile, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus Verizon and AT&T. Visit your neighborhood store or T-Mobile.com to switch. Plan savings with T-Mobile. Third line free on essentials via monthly bill credits versus comparable available plans. Plan features may vary. Credits stop if you cancel or change plans. So, so just just to step back just a second because I'm worried that I may have insufficiently explained what Boardwalk Empire was for those who don't know what it who never watched it. But it sure. was this show, as I mentioned, on HBO. Steve Buscemi was the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no, it was, it's no longer on. It had its, uh, finale about a year ago. A couple years ago. A couple years ago. Um, kind of shows you how I've lost conceptions of time. No, it's, trust me, it's the same thing. But it was a great critically acclaimed show set in like 1910s and 20s. 1920s, yeah. 1920s. And it, um... Steve Buscemi is basically a local mobster, but um, uh, it brings in all sorts of crime, politics, arts, bootlegging, uh, race relations. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting show. And really what I thought was so – one of the things I thought was so great about it is it it really helped you suspend – disbelief, I felt like I was seeing stuff that happened a long time ago. That's it great. really transported very, very effectively. So you knew about the show, I assume, either before you started going for auditions or after you started watching it and probably saw how good it was. So there's a lot on the line here as you went back for these callbacks, I would imagine. Well, there was also this on the line. My brother was obsessed with Boardwalk Empire (laughs) and still is, but that was one of his favorite shows at the time. So when he found out that I was going in for the auditions, he literally told me that if I don't get this part, then I don't get to come back home. (laughs) So, and there was a piece of him that was probably very serious. He was only part kidding, yes. He was was only maybe a quarter kidding. And when you got the job, my understanding is the thought was it was just going to be a background singer? Yeah, I thought that it was just going to be a day player role, that I was going to be there for a couple days, and then I was going to be out. I I definitely did not think that I was going to have, spoiler alert if anybody didn't watch, if I was going to have a love affair with, with Chalky and take his family away and go into this and have the, the background with Jeffrey. Like, I mean, everything just, that was all, that was all just happening as it, as it happened. So let me just fill in some of those details there. Chalky White is the, uh, the sort of top of the criminal food chain in the African-American community right. in, um, in Atlantic City. Right. Where, where Boardwalk Empire takes place. And uh, he's a married man with 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 kids. With, with kids. Mm-hmm. You come into town and start performing at his club, the Onyx Club. Yes. And um, he falls in love with you. Yes. And but the complicating factor is you are your. This is probably a nice way to put it. Agent, who's Doctor Narcisse, right? Played by Jeffrey Jeffrey Wright, and and Chalky is played by Michael K. Williams. Yes. Two brilliant, brilliant actors. Right. Um, and I want to talk about Michael specifically in a minute. Um, uh. Uh, so Dr. Narcisse is your um, uh, agent slash handler who also happens to have killed your mom. Right. And is my keeper. And is your keeper and, and beats you and psychologically abuses you. So it's a right. pretty toxic. It's a very light role. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. So you're, you 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 go in, you think you're going to do a day, day player role. Mm-hmm. At what point does it dawn on you that actually you've got a big role? Luckily, it didn't until maybe eight episodes in. Eight episodes in? Yeah. I really didn't have much chance to think about it, because which which I'm really lucky because, as I told you before, I get really anxious. And if I would have if I would have known the the size of that role, I, I definitely would have put it on such a pedestal that I probably would have screwed it up for myself. You did not screw it up. Let me just say that. <laughs> you, you nailed it. So did, you. Did, did the producers and the writers of the show know without telling you that it was going to be a big role? Or were you were they so sort of enamored by you that they grew the role because they started to like you? I honestly don't know. At the time, uh, my agents weren't really they weren't really filled in with with what was going on. Everybody was kind of it was it was just uh, 
I think it was a fluke. I don't know. I really, I really didn't know what was happening. Nobody, nobody really did until I got the the scripts for the following episodes the next week and the next week. And then I kept reading and I was like, wow, she's in this episode again. She's in this episode again. Oh, she's in this episode. Okay. That's weird. And then I would read the scripts and I was like, oh man, these are okay. My, my talking part is getting bigger. Oh man, I have a really big scene with Michael coming up. Oh crap. (laughs) I have a really big scene with Jeffrey coming up. So it was like all of these things that just kept building and, and I, I was totally caught by surprise, but the good thing was, so when I would get the scripts, or I would get noticed to put myself on hold for the following week again. Uh, we get the scripts, but then as soon as the scripts would come in, then I would get a call from the music supervisor saying, you need to come in and I need you know five of these songs to be recorded. Can you come in maybe tomorrow or the next day? So I would work on the recordings on my own with Vince Giordano, who also still plays in New York with Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks. And uh, and they're, they were the Boardwalk band, and they had been a band for nine years prior to boardwalk and they still are but but we would go over the key of the song just the two of us on the phone and then I would go into the studio and record all these songs and we would do them in different ways and then we would do outros and we we would do them sped up and then we would do them in different keys and just play with them and work on that and then by the time I was done with that then I would have to go in for a costume fitting and then I would be back on set so that would take up my whole week so even if I wasn't filming with boardwalk Every day of the week, I was doing something boardwalk or something daughter. So I really didn't have much of a chance to think about it other than just work on the scenes with my acting coach and get the dialogue dialect as best as I possibly could down and then just kind of get in there and get it done. And then it would be the following week. So none of that confusion and anxiety and the need for a coach to get the dialect right. None of that is perceptible to the viewer. Which is incredible. And I actually read an interview you did with Rolling Stone where you said that the first scene where you walk on stage at the Onyx Club, you're wearing a big fur coat. Yeah. And that you were shaking under it. I was shaking really bad. Shaking really bad. But it was so heavy, it held me down. So, And my ankles are so weak. I just shake all the time. I shake all the time. But I, I got really nervous. Obviously, Jeffrey Wright is standing right in front of me, and I had to look as stoic as possible. And like it didn't, you know, like it didn't matter. I was like, oh where's the dressing room, you know, and like, it just blew it off. And I was so terrified. You know, you have Michael K right here and you have Jeffrey behind me and Terrence Winter is just walking around and, you know, he's the creator, of the he's show. the creator yeah, of the yeah. show. And it was just, it was so overwhelming. Uh, but thankfully I had a big Fox jacket on <laughs> and it was, it was real. It was vintage and it was, it was holding me down and, and I just kept, I just walked away. Good for you. Not, not so good for the Fox, but yeah, good for not you. not so good for the Fox. We, yeah. Was this pre-meditation? This was pre-meditation. Yes. I wish I would have known more about it then because I definitely needed it at some point. Uh, it's never too late. Yeah. Um, Michael K. Williams. I've, I've, I've talked about my TV obsession. One of my, I would say probably my favorite show of all time is The Wire. Hmm. And I got a chance to interview Michael uh, a couple of years ago when The Wire was still on the air. I walked through Harlem with him and he just people people were rolling down their windows screaming oh Omar. Um, That's great. And he's, he's I mean, President, President Obama said that uh, Michael K. Williams was his favorite uh, character. Um, he, he's an incredible character in that show. Um, he plays sort of an um, emotionally complicated uh, gay Hitman, um, super, super uh, radical uh, role to be playing. Um, And then he's gone on to have this amazing career, and he he plays Chalky White in Boardwalk. This is a long way of me saying I'm going to ask the question (laughs) that I always hate when um, interviewers ask actors this question because it just seems like such a cliche question but what was it like to work with michael (laughs) k uh it was horrible no he's (laughs) he's so wonderful and so kind and sweet and nice and he would there's something that i learned from michael which i i take with me so he would walk around with his big beats on his big Headphones. headphones and he would literally just always walk walk through the set with these big massive headphones on and i would just say like michael like what are you, you know, and he's like, just waved and just kind of just like a knowingly wave. And I was like, okay, that's, that's weird, but whatever, do your thing. And then one day I was on set and I was between the music supervisors and I was doing a dance scene with uh, about 350 extras. And it was like 12 dancers behind me. And it was like this big club scene. And, um, 
and the dancers were practicing and the choreographer was trying to grab me and then this the the uh the second AD was saying, you know, Marga, we need you over here. And then I was finishing up a scene with Jeffrey and I was like walking through the scene with that. And we were we were marking that scene. But then directly after that, we were going to go into the big club scene. And I still didn't stretch yet. And I had been like and I had been on set since five in the morning stretch? because we were going to go into a dancing scene. Uh, I see. Okay. And it's very important to stretch your body before you start dancing because okay. you can pull something down. Okay. It's really yes. important. Don't want to pull a hammy. Don't want to pull a hammy. why I never dance. You de- definitely don't, especially the first take in because then you still got 25 after that yes. or some. So I needed to stretch and nothing was happening and, and I was just getting pulled in so many different ways and everybody was talking and – Somebody on and one of the extras had made a, a comment to me on set and really got me upset. And I was so upset at a certain point. Michael saw me and he just he just pointed at his headphones and he said, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it. Now I get it. You just throw them on and you just zone out. So that was his own zoning out. And uh, and now sometimes I, I do steal a little bit of Michael K and take him with me and throw on some headphones, not massive beat ones like like he has. But um but yeah, it's just something that I I like to do. He's in a pretty incredible guy. He's um, a pretty incredible guy. So you you we we talked about this a little bit, but you you have this role. You're playing this person with just who's experienced so much trauma. You know, in the throw in the thrall of this psychopath who had killed your mom, and um, uh, and in the middle of this really complex uh, love affair with a married man. Do, can you leave that on on stage, or does that come home with you when you're playing that kind of role? I was lucky enough to learn from a great instructor through my high school, and I continue to work with him. He's still based out of Pittsburgh, Billy Hartung, and I he that was one of the main practices that he taught me was to leave your personal at home and leave your work at work. So that was something that I left at Steiner Studios, which is where we shot out in Brooklyn and I left all of the the drama and things with Narcisse and Chalky at the studio. Unfortunately, I took a lot of daughter back home with me, but I guess it wasn't unfortunate because I still needed to work on her and I still needed to create her. But there were different pieces of Margot that was meshed with daughter as I kind of like walked through my days off and and I could feel it and at the time I was living in Harlem and so it really really rung true to me there was something that was really uh kind of starting to become alive inside of me so that was a that was a different side of me that I experienced and and even just the way that I would walk or the way that I would wear certain clothes or certain things that I would say I would catch myself you know talking to some friends and I'd be like oh gosh guys and I'd be like (laughs) I'm sorry, what? <laughs> What'd you just say? I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. It wasn't that me. wasn't that wasn't that was not me. That was 1920. Uh but uh so there there were little things like that that would kind of that would kind of uh come out at really random times. But other than like the really harsh things that were going on in my mind, I really tried to leave them at home because I don't think that that's healthy to bring them home with you. No, it's certainly not healthy. The question is whether it's whether, uh, you, yeah, it's some, a hard thing to do. Yeah, sometimes you sometimes it's really hard to to not shut it off. And there definitely took me some nights that I needed some extra time alone, or I I needed to stay up for another couple hours before I could fall asleep. But I just really made it a promise to myself not to fall asleep with that in my in my mind. I'm really interested in in the ways in which meditation can play out in a competitive, stressful life, and you mm. certainly have that. Um, and there was something, there was a really interesting quote that you gave to to Rolling Stone about Louis Gossett Jr., who is in one of the, sh- in one of the um, Boardwalk Empire episodes. Mm-hmm. And you said, and this is a long quote, I'll just read it, he was the most gracious man, and you would think that he just started acting yesterday. Just by the way that he would present himself, he was so nonchalant and very friendly. That's exactly the type of actor that I want to be, someone that can be respected and so respectful and so humble. As soon as the camera turned on, he pulled you in, and it was just the easiest thing to act with him because he just steps your game up so much more. He makes other people look amazing. To be an actor that can really highlight and elevate everyone else's performance just because of their own, what an incredible talent. It just struck me that quote leapt out at me as the kind of thing that meditation could help you with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I still 
definitely stand behind that. I, I don't know if he meditates. I don't know what his practice is or what his daily routine is. He just is. may be a special dude. He just may be an incredible man, and he definitely is regardless of whatever his practice is. But, uh, but the way that he made me feel, the ease that he brought to set with him, I think that that was really special. And I think that definitely I think meditation would bring that ease for myself, and I wouldn't have to depend off of someone else to bring that on set. I, I now, thankfully with experience, I don't, I don't depend on anybody else to to bring me comfort, uh, but there was definitely a time during boardwalk that that comfort was was needed. So and appreciated. I can imagine for you um, being so young and having all this success happen pretty suddenly, and then being thrown into this world where there are, I'm sure, some pretty complex um, people that you have to deal with mm-hmm. off camera and and on. That keeping your head in the midst of all of that must have been and still be a challenge. It definitely is. I'm really lucky with the group of friends that I have around me. It's a very small group. I know a lot of people, but the people that I really consider to be my closest are really, really grounded folks. And I'm really lucky that I'm very close with my family and they definitely keep me grounded. If there's any if there's any sighting of like me flying off or becoming something else, then like they diva. definitely they, yeah. the D word, the diva. Yeah, yeah. Uh then they definitely they pull me back. And um my boyfriend is actually from Pittsburgh, so he's he's very home to me. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm I think that there's something about coming from a blue collar town that you know, that was just kind of the work ethic that we had. I'm lucky enough that the career that I've had and the success of my career has kind of fallen on the the later side of, of my teens and 20s. So I think if, if it would have been a little bit earlier in life, I don't know if I would have been ready for that. But because of the struggle, and though you said it's happened really overnight, it's I've really been working professionally for about 15 years. I mean, huh. yeah, I, just, yeah. I started in music when I was 14 years old. Didn't feel overnight to you. Definitely was not overnight to me. And uh, I've... I was singing in bars at 15, 16, doing local gigs and wow. n- not singing in bars to make it sound like, oh, I'm singing in bars. But uh, but because that was the, those were the music venues that I, I got a chance to play. And and literally I was playing venues that they wouldn't even let me sit in the green room because I wasn't <laughs> I was leaving high school and coming to the gig and I was selling out these shows in Pittsburgh and I couldn't even sit in the club because I wasn't. I wasn't even 18 yet. So my band would sit in there and then I would stand outside and get ready to sing on stage. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like when I think about it now, it's like, I don't, I don't know how I just didn't walk out. But uh, but because of all of those experiences, I've really I've only known this world. And though there's definitely things that are adding to the world of the creative arts that I've always known and and different parts like doing interviews with people like you and doing TV spots and doing features and people now stopping me in the street. Those are all things that are adding to everything that I've practiced and everything that I've worked really hard for. But that's not what I set out to do. What I set out to do was that I I wanted to do my artistry and that's something that I've, I've been working on for a long time. So though this is definitely a world that I'm not really used to, I I just kind of take that practice of of where I came from and and knowing that I just need to continue to do better work and continue to do more and more work and work that I'm proud of and I think that that's what kind of grounds me. I want to talk about some of the stuff you've done after um after Boardwalk uh as we sit here on this day as we uh have this discussion. I believe it's opening day for the latest barbershop. Yeah, movie. it well, it opened last night, okay. but officially it's it's open to the rest of the world. Um, and I read a really positive review in the New York Times. Oh, did you? Yes. I haven't yes, read the review. Yes, very good review. <laughs> very good review by A.O. Scott, who's a tough reviewer. So um, how, how do you feel? I mean, have you seen it yet? Have I've you... seen it twice now. Uh-huh. Were you I happy did. with it? I was very happy with it. It's incredible. It's Super funny. It talks about community and it has a lot of love in it. You can laugh and cry and do everything. And there's many different characters that you can somewhere relate to, and uh, on some le- on some level. And I think it's um it's really it's really fun. It's really really fun. Well, I'm I've no doubt that it's fun and funny, but it's really coming out at a potent moment in the national dialogue. Absolutely around violence and race. And I, and as 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 I understand it, the movie goes there. It does. Yeah, I I actually didn't know. So obviously we we know what we film because we're we're in there filming. Uh, we 
we got the script, but I but there are still things that are kind of tailored along the way of shooting something. It's just naturally kind of molds to whatever is happening. So there's a lot of the scenes with the with the kids and uh, Cube's kids and, and Ice Cube's kids. Yeah. Ice Cube's kids. Um, a lot of those scenes we weren't a part of, so I don't really I didn't really know what was happening. But once I saw the movie, I there was definitely a moment that I was like, oh my god, like they they go there, like they are showing guns, they are showing like true colors and this is this is gang world this is that life and it it scared me a little bit but it was it's something that that I'm really happy that they took the risk to actually fully go there and I think that there's so much exposed in today's society because of all of the media outlets and there's so much that kids see and to be able to have a great platform and a voice like Ice Cube does and the other people associated in the movie and to actually talk on some issues that we have to and that people are scared to talk about and then make them loving and caring and actually make a point to say that things need to change. I think that that was that was I was really proud to be a part of something like that, which I didn't think Barbershop was going to be. Yeah, I, w- I was uh, frankly a little surprised. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't yet actually, I'll admit, having I hadn't seen any of the previous ones, but the review was glowing, mm-hmm. un, unambivalent. And I would be fired by my employer if I didn't ask you about the show that you're doing right now <laughs> called The Family, which airs on ABC. Yes, ABC Sunday um, nights. ABC su- Sunday nights? Sunday nights at night. Um, and to just t- tell us what it's about and who you are on the show. So the show premise is about a kid that goes missing in a murder and kidnapping case 10 years ago. In Maine. In but, Maine. Yes. And shows up 10 years later and... The person I, I played the detective on the show uh, at the time when the case was first when it first happened, I was a rookie cop and I became a detective because of the success of the case and me putting away someone for the murder and kidnapping of this child. And uh, when he comes back 10 years later, obviously the person that I put away for his murder and kidnapping is not the right person. And the murder, the kidnapper is still out there. He's obviously not murdered and uh, the wrong person is in jail. So I, I definitely have to eat my words. Except for there are questions about whether the kid is actually the kid. Again, spoiler alert, if you've watched or if you haven't watched, uh, we do know now that that's not that was not uh, the actual kid. So um, so that that question is answered. That's one of the most amazing things about the show and the things that that the writers do so well with this show is you watch shows all the time and you're constantly watching for the next episode and the next and you're waiting for the answers and you're like, oh my God, when are they going to get to it? I just want to know, is the kid the kid or what's happening? And <laughs> the family tells you, like, we tell you the answers. We tell you who the pockmark man is. We tell you who the kidnapper is. Literally, we show him making a new bunker for another kid that he's about to go kidnap. And it definitely goes there to that dark place. And you can't, tell us that we're not giving you answers are there more questions that come up every single week absolutely that's what makes a good tv show i mean this show comes right out of shondaland she and her team know what they're doing right but this is jenna band's first really steerheading her own success and i'm so proud of her and she she does an unbelievable job obviously with the association of the other writers that have done an incredible job but it's um it's definitely the shonda world but this is this is the jenna band's land Good for Jenna and yeah. uh, good for you. What is next for you? Um, well, there's a couple projects that are in the works right now that I can't talk about. Can't talk about. Are you going to be in the next Star Wars? Oh man, JJ would <laughs> kill me. Um, no, I wish, but I definitely I have a love for the comic world and for the alien world and sci-fi world. So that's something that I would love to kind of venture in with. Uh, there's nothing coming up as far as that goes but there's there's definitely some exciting projects that I just recently signed on to that will be announced Any, anything in which you sing yes actually okay. alright yes cool I had to think about that yes the, the next one is a, is a singing role it so. always strikes me when you're not singing that it's a waste of your talent <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> I uh, I wish you nothing but success thanks Dan and continued mindfulness and meditation thank you check out that app I told you about right although you can't 10% you happier. can't go wrong with Headspace they're, they're, they do a phenomenal job. Whatever meditation you do. Something tells me I like I might like your app a little bit. Something about Maybe. that voice. Yeah. Well, no, you won't have to listen. I won't actually do the meditations. I'll just do the uh, trash talking okay, before great. I meditate. Um, so you don't have to, my voice, I think, would be a little annoying. Although I did actually do. I'm not a meditation teacher, so I, I try not to um, 
pretend I am. Sure. Uh, but my wife asked me to make her a custom meditation, which I thought oh, was- Oh, that's so cool. I thought it was crazy. Like, what, the, I would imagine your husband's voice would actually just stress you out, but she uses it. Oh, I think and that's I, like, lovely. make all sorts of inappropriate jokes that's, in there. That's awesome. And I mean, there's no judgments there because she's your other half, so that's great. You know, there, no, there's plenty of judgment. <laughs> Let me assure you. I'm not judging her. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I hope that she does skips this podcast. <laughs> Love you, Bianca. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure me. to meet you. You, you do too. amazing work. I'm really glad to, to meet you in person. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. You can find video of the episode and an article about it at abcnews.com. Thanks, as always, to the producers of the show, Lauren Efron, Josh Cohan, Sarah Amos, and Dan Silver. You can hit me on Twitter at Dan B. Harris anytime you like. If you liked the episode today and you want to hear more like it, you can subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review. Thank you for that, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. If you like 10% Happier, and I hope you do, uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest. And they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is the competition. Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.